Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Well, welcome back to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Stan Miller. My co-host, Katie Beth Hand, is a bit under the weather today, so it's going to be just me interviewing John Morris. John is a, uh, John is a, a serial entrepreneur. He's done some pretty amazing things, and we're going to hear about that. We've just been chatting before I turned the record button on, and and I'll tell you that that uh, whatever what whatever whatever your business or profession, you're going to want to stick around and hear what John has to say. He's done some amazing things, and he has some really incredible insights about how how to help us focus on and grow uh, grow our practice. So John is the founder and CEO of Ramsey Innovations, and as I said, a serial entrepreneur. But prior to founding Ramsey, he established a company called Rise Interactive back in 2004 with prize money that he earned from a second place finish in the University of Chicago's prestigious New Venture Challenge. So over the 16 years that followed that, he grew Rise from a one-person shop to one of the largest independent marketing agencies in the world, and he sold it in 2018. So after selling it, and I know how that how that feels, you know, you look at the world and ask, you know, what you know, what's next for me? And uh, he he pondered that question and decided his next move, uh, to, you know, to really drive his next move. He realized that that he was most energized when he was connecting with and helping fellow entrepreneurs grow their business. So uh, Ramsey Innovations is the product of that inspiration. So. With, with that introduction, John, let me say welcome. Uh, Stan, it's wonderful to be here. I'm really excited to uh, talk to you and and hopefully add some value to your audience. Let me, I'm, I'm sure you will. And to do that, let me let me get started by just uh, asking if this re- really happened. You you uh, you grew you grew the, your company from twelve thousand dollars to thirty five million. Yeah, that- a little bit more. Yeah. So that that really happened, and you did that in 16 years? Yep. And I'll tell you a little bit about the approach. I used to run marathons. And if you ever do marathon training, it's an 18-week training program. And your first long run is six miles. The next week, you do seven miles. You then go down to five, then up to nine, up to 10, down to seven, until eventually you do 26.2-mile run on the day of the race. And... I started to think about my framework for running rise. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take a marathon type approach. I had a 20 year time here for rise. And so rather than weeks of training, it was years. And rather than miles, it was dollars. And so the idea was that every June or July, I would start the um, budgeting process for the next year on what am I going to do to make incremental improvements to make my business better? And so that compounds. And so, you know, we went on a tear, went from 1 million to 2 million to 4 million to 8 to 12 to 13 to 19. And it just started growing, you know, in a fairly large incremental basis on a regular basis. 
So having done that successfully, I think you, you have a lot, a lot to share with us. And I think, uh, I think it, 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 it begins really with uh, with goal setting, right? It does. So, um, you know, this is very applicable to really all professional service firms. And uh, what I want is people to have when they are doing their budget and forecasting four goals that they're trying to achieve. And it starts with an aspirational goal of this is why you're in business and what you're hoping to achieve down the road. But then you break it to a three-year goal and then a two-year goal, and then ultimately a goal, you know, you know, right now it's November 30th, you know, a month from now, next year starts. And those four goals I want you to have is a revenue goal. And I want your revenue goal to be a bottoms-up goal, meaning you start with all of your existing clients and you analyze the revenue from them. You look at anything in your pipeline, if you're going to win them. And then what you want to do is uh, look at your pattern of how much new business you win and uh, start with that pattern, but then ask, like, can you change that trajectory and how are you going to change that trajectory? So uh, then you want to get into a profit goal. A typical professional service firm really doesn't matter whether you're a law firm, an architect, an engineer, a, a marketing agency where my background is, you generally want 20% of your revenue to be profit. And so you want to look at, you know, and I'll, I'll explain how you get there through some benchmark numbers, uh, but you want to make sure that you have a 20% profit year, ideally. Uh, and if you don't, that there's strategic reasons why you're doing it. And then the next goal I have is a cash goal. Uh, this is one of the most neglected areas I have found in professional service companies is that most of them do not have enough cash. I have a client of mine that is wildly profitable and they basically have no cash in the business because the owners take all the cash out. Uh, but if you have cash in the bank, you get to do really cool strategic things. And I, I'm going to give a, a very polarizing figure as an example, Elon Musk. Elon Musk just spent $44 billion to buy Twitter or X. And... If that goes down to zero, you know, there's been all sorts of news, all these advertisers are pulling out, and let's just say he has to shut down Twitter. Uh, he will go from the richest person in the world to the richest person in the world. He has more than $44 billion than the second richest person in the world. And so I'm not going to say it's a toy, but because he has so much cash, he can buy, you know, toys in the $40 billion plus range. And what I want, I don't want clients to buy toys. I want them to be able to make strategic investments. And if you grow your cash, you can create a whole M&A strategy uh, that becomes really powerful. So I, I'm a big believer in having a cash goal. And then the last goal is what I call as an infrastructure goal. And the concept is really simple. I want your business to be better at the end of the year than it is at the beginning of the year. Now, better could be you want to invest in your recruiting infrastructure. It might be that you want to make your onboarding of new clients better. It might be that you want to build your brand and you want more people to know who you are tomorrow than they are today. Like there's different things that you can invest in, but it should all drive to revenue growth, profit, or cash. And if you keep those three metrics in mind, 
your infrastructure goal should help improve one of those three areas down the road. Now, I'm not unfamiliar with the, with the process you're talking about. And whenever I do this, you know, I sit down with uh, with an Excel spreadsheet. So yeah, I know that I know that you talk a lot about using technology, and I'm guessing that you have some more sophisticated ways of doing this than the way I've been doing it. So do you want me to go into detail on kind I, of the process? I would love to hear about that. Absolutely. Okay. So let's start with uh, revenue. Revenue is the starting point and it drives all decision-making. And, you know, in, in some scenarios uh, you are project-based and in some scenarios you are retainer-based. Uh, so if you're project-based, you basically are starting from zero every single year, right? Where you have to, whatever you win uh, as net new business, you know, you might have existing clients that you could call upon, but you have to start over. If it's retainer-based, you know, it's easier to project what that revenue is going to be. But you always start with your existing customers. And I, what I want you to do is a lot of people talk in annual terms. Like I want to do $3 million in revenue for this year. Uh, I want you to start with monthly terms. And I want you to take every single existing client. You can use Excel. Uh, Ramsey Innovations is the parent company, but a technology company called Engine BI, which is you know budgeting and forecasting software designed for professional service companies. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a list of every single client and every single row uh, you are going to have for each client, but I want you to actually break it down by lines of business. So let's just say you, you know, you're doing estate planning and uh, could you give me another example of a line of business that, you know, relates to law? It could be uh, you know, business planning. It, it could be litigation. It could be uh, probate. Okay, so let's just say probate litigation and estate planning. So you're going to take every single one of your clients and you're going to project the revenue by month for each one of those lines of business. And then you're going to go to the next client and you're going to do the same thing until you've done all of your existing clients. Then what I want you to do is ideally you have some type of CRM or some method what you're using for sales. And I want you to look at who is in your pipeline right now and I want you to make a binary decision. Are you going to win them or are you not going to win them? And you're gonna do the same analysis. This is how much revenue you're gonna get. This is the month they're gonna start. And this is the line of business that you're gonna win. And after that, the third one is what I call as blue sky. From here, you are going to look at your history generally the last 12 to 18 months. And you're going to look at how many new clients per month or per quarter you win and what lines of businesses are you winning them in? So are you winning litigation clients? Are you winning probate clients? Are you winning estate planning clients? And you're going to use that pattern to predict the future. And so, you know, it's a pretty good gauge that if you win two new clients a month, every month, and 50% of them are estate planning, then unless something changes, that's probably what's going to continue in the future. And so you use that as your, you know, your guide to predicting what you're going to do. Now, when you total that all up, now you have a good idea of what your total revenue is going to be. 
And you also have a good idea of what your revenue by line of business is going to be. The next thing you're going to do is what I call as cost of service. Cost of service relates to all of your people, your freelancers, your technology, your travel and entertainment, your client gifts, anything that relates to doing client work. And typically as a professional service firm, your budget should be 50% of your revenue to service your customers. I'm going to tell you three facts. Fact number one is that if you have a 50% gross margin, which is your the money left over from revenue minus cost of service is your gross, your gross margin. If that is 50% of your revenue or greater, you will have money to uh, invest in your business and you will have a really nice profit. If you're between 40 and 50%, you will have to choose between investing in your business or being profitable. And lastly, if you are under 40%, you're going to lose money. So gross margin is one of the most important numbers. In my experience, most professional service companies don't know what their gross margin is. They don't know how to calculate it properly. And so that to me is, you know, one really big number that you need to know. The next number, oh, sorry, I'll pause. You have a question or you want, should I keep going? No, no, no. I was just, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting what you're saying here. Yeah. Okay. The next one is what is called your SG&A. And it stands for selling general and administrative expenses. And it relates to all of your expenses that are not focused on doing client work. And I don't care if you're a one-person professional service company or you're a thousand-person professional service company. There are three buckets that you can put that money. One of them is sales and marketing. The other one is operations and finance. And when I say operations, I mean HR, legal, corporate IT, and general administrative expenses. Uh, and then the last one is your executive team. You get a total of 30% for those three buckets. Now, the typical professional service company spends 8% of their revenue on sales and marketing. They spend 15% on operations and finance, and they spend 7% on their executive team. And so... I always tell people, you know, especially in the marketing world, which is where I came from, you know, we would spend about 14 to 15% of our revenue on sales and marketing. And, uh, and our brand was everywhere. It was a really well-known company. And people always asked me, you know, who owned agencies, like, how are you doing? I was like, well, I, 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 for some reason, am the only marketer that actually believes in marketing. And, you know, uh, what I want is I want, if you're a professional service firm, so like if you're an estate planning attorney, I want you to have a competitive advantage when it comes to sales and marketing. I want you to spend more than the 8%, which means that you got to either improve your gross margin, reduce your operations and finance, reduce your executive team, or go into your profits, which I don't want you to do. So ideally, gross margin and operations and finance are where I've started, where if you can get to 12% of your revenue for operations and finance, it gives you 3% more to spend on sales and marketing. And so um, very focused on doing, if you understand these numbers and you have all the insights in terms of how you can drive it, it allows you to make really good decisions on how you grow and how you scale from your business. How does, how does the concept of EBITDA, that accounting concept, how does that relate to the conversation we're having. 
So when I say profit and I say 20% of your revenue should be profit, uh, I am talking about EBITDA. So EBITDA is a fancy word for profit. Uh, and what it means is earnings or profit before uh, any interest you pay on debt, any taxes you pay, uh, any depreciation you have on physical assets like a building uh, or any amortization, which are soft assets like software. And so it, it really gives you an idea of how are you doing uh, on an equal scale to everyone else in terms of their profits, because if you take taxes into account and one person's paying more taxes than right. someone else, it doesn't allow an apples to apples comparison. Right. So I understood you earlier to say that, that, that EBITDA needs to be, what did you say? At least 20% of the top line revenue. Exactly. If you're top line revenue. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And also the other big number, um, and this is agency numbers, but I believe it applies to professional service companies, is typically you want to see 20% year-over-year revenue growth. And the, the reality is professional service companies are valued based on their EBITDA. And so you get a multiple of EBITDA. So it might range from five times your EBITDA to you know double-digit numbers. And... So what I just learned yesterday from someone who's an expert in M&A is a couple of things. One, I'm just going to use the agency space, but I think it extrapolates to professional service. Only 30% of agencies actually sell. And I'll bet you that holds to professional service companies that only 30% of them sell, 70% of them, they close the door down, they merge with another company, but it's not like it was a sale. It was just, you know, uh, potentially distressed or that didn't happen to the right you know, area. Uh, and then when you sell, you want to sell for the highest multiple possible. The number one driver towards increasing the multiple is year over year revenue growth. If you can consistently grow at 20% a year in top line growth, you're going to put yourself in a position to have a great exit. And that goes back to these investment in sales and marketing. Yeah, you know, one of one of my observations about people in the professional services space is they don't give enough thought to the idea of selling their practice or their business. And you know, I've really come, you know, I've really come to the conclusion that whether you whether you ever sell or you don't sell, you need to build it with the idea that you could sell it. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I also, what what I also tell people though is build a great business. Like if you build a great business and you're putting cash in the bank, you're growing top line, you're profitable, uh, and you just keep on making those investments, like you're going to get a great exit. Uh, if people are very focused on just the sale itself, uh, then they're not focusing on their customers. They're not focusing on how they drive a really high quality service for those individuals. So I, I get the sense from some of the things I've read that you've said that building that building that superior value in your business depends in part on differentiating the business from the garden variety competitors down the street, right? Yeah. So uh, what are a couple of things that uh, a business you know needs to do to, to think about that? So... The, the other number I didn't share is I'm a big believer in investing in R&D. 
Uh, and I recommend 5% of your revenue goes towards R&D. Now, when I say R&D, I, I more mean like innovation with a lowercase I than innovation with an uppercase I. I am, I'm not talking about building like the next self-driving car or, you know, uh, something that is completely groundbreaking. But what I am talking about is how do you first define what you want to be different at? So you might be different that I'm only going to go after a subset of people. You know, so if you're B2B, you might say, I'm only going to go after healthcare. Or I'm only going to go after finance. Uh, but then you have to start saying, well, what, what are the things that are unique to that specific subset that you're going after? And then you need to go on a journey. Think of it as like a little snowball that you're going to invest every single year to make better and better. And if you do that, uh, you create greater and greater stories that allow you to win business and keep that business relative to your competition. You know, just to put in perspective, at Rise, uh, we basically wanted to be the leaders in helping brands uh, make better decisions using data. So a fancy way of saying, you know, a data-driven agency. Uh, but we really focused on one type of data, which was media data. And we were able to identify waste and redeploy that to scalable areas but we had a 25 person product development team. Now today it's up to 55 people. And so we've invested very heavily in one specific type of data to make it better. So as I understand it now, you, you, uh, you have two, you have two businesses that you own and run, right? Yeah. And they're both focused in different ways on supporting entrepreneurs in growing their business. So, uh, I think you alluded to one of them earlier, but uh, you know, I'm I'm going to invite you to you know give me a little bit, yeah. a little bit, a little bit deeper dive into into both of those. Yeah, so one of them is called Fiscal Advocate. It is a fractional CFO company that helps professional service firms, uh, where we help in terms of closing your books, paying your bills, you know, sending out your invoices. Uh, but what we really specialize in is something called FP&A, which is financial planning and analysis. And it's doing all of your budgeting, all of your forecasting, uh, giving you insights to answer crucial questions to help you make better decisions. And then we also have another company called Engine BI, which is more decision-making software. So it, it's budgeting and forecasting software but it also provides benchmarking data so that you can understand how much you need to be spending in specific areas and highlights where you need to make improvements right away versus where you're doing really well. So if our listeners wanted to find out about those companies, how would they, how would they do it? A few different ways. You can go to enginebi.net for uh, the software. You can go to fiscaladvocate.com for the fractional CFO services. I post every day, you know, a lot of it's focused on agency owners, but it really applies to professional service companies. I post every day on LinkedIn uh, guidance on what you can do to improve your, um, your finances and decision-making in terms of how you run your business. So you can follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn. And you can also always email me at jon at enginebi.net. It's good. I'll make sure we put uh, all of those uh, connections in the show notes. Awesome. I appreciate it. 
and you know, hope you'll hear from some of our listeners. You may be hearing from me actually. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is really fascinating. So, um, what, what other, what other thoughts do you have? You know, you, you, uh, you talk about financial rituals. I, I was fascinated by that. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, you know, the first thing that I explain to people is it's a mindset of, do you want to run your business in a data-driven manner? And in order to do that, uh, I always say it can't be a goal unless you budget for it. You have to embrace budgeting and forecasting. And you have to embrace living by certain numbers and making decisions based on those numbers. And so uh, that's the starting point is that you are willing to make the commitment. You know, I have a, a client of mine, about $2 million in revenue, 40% EBITDA, and they make no investments whatsoever in their infrastructure. And when they got a proposal, you know, typically, you know, in order to do budgeting and forecasting, it's probably going to cost you $5,000 to $10,000 a month, depending on the size of your business and the scale, which is, you know, the cost of an entry level to a mid-level employee. Uh, and this person had sticker shock. And I use this as a good example of this isn't for everyone. You know, but that company probably won't scale and grow to the next level where, you know, if you really want to scale and grow, I believe that investing in a data-driven approach and having something called scorecard operations, which is gathering all the data to have a scorecard to make decisions is really important. Uh, but it's, you know, that's around the investment you have to make to be able to willing to do it. And so, you know, most most entrepreneurs in smaller practice, I know, spend almost all their time, or even all their time, working in the business, and they don't really spend yeah. the time working on the business and reflecting in the way that you're you're describing. And and I, I guess that's the that's what capitates growth, right? Yeah, you know, look, it's it's a decision where you're making investments in the finance department because you believe that by making this investment you're going to spend your time and your money more intelligently. And so I believe it's one of the most important investments you can make. I started a whole business off of it because I think there's value to it to, you know, uh, help professional services get to the next level. But I also think that it's it's for the person who really wants to get to the next level. If, if you're a one to $5 million company and you want to figure out how to break to the $10 million company, this is a really important step to doing it. Uh, if you're a $10 million company, you want to make get to the $25 million level, this is an important step that you need to do it. And so, um, you know, it it starts with, do you really want to scale and grow a large business? I have a client of mine, former client, that's $5.1 in revenue, and their goal is to get to $6 million, and they never want to be bigger. And I think that's awesome. He has full clarity. He wants, uh, you know, a lifestyle business. He wants it to be profitable. Uh, and I think that's awesome. That's not really who I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help the person who's at 5.1 and wants to get to 10 and then to get to 25. I'm reading Dan Sullivan's book now, 10X is easier than 2X. He makes yeah. a pretty compelling argument, you know, that, uh, that thinking big, going big is actually easier than, than, than being an incrementalist in your business. So. And there's a lot of truth to it, but you you have to be willing to make the investments to do it. 
And that's a mindset. You know, that that's something I can't uh, teach someone. It's more something I have to identify people who want that mindset. John, that's great. I uh, I don't want to abuse your calendar today, but do you have any closing thoughts, closing comments before, uh, before I let you go? You know, the main thing that I would just tell people is if you're a professional service firm, that you really should live and make decisions based off the numbers. And the hardest part of being a professional service owner is that your inventory are people and they're people that you love, you care about deeply. And oftentimes in order to make the right decisions for the business, you have to make tough emotional decisions. Uh, and I, I like to start with like what I think is the worst part of the job uh, which is the fact that you have to make tough decisions oftentimes. Uh, but your business, all the remaining employees will be better off if you can make decisions based on the core aspects of the of the business and the numbers and make sure you have the strength to do what you need to do. Makes total sense to me. All that actually really resonates. John, thank you for being our guest today. This is the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your host, Stan Miller. Our guest today has been John Morris. We're going to have all of John's contact info in the show notes. John, great to meet you and really terrific, really terrific content today. This this comes, I think, at a timely, a, a timely moment for all of us here at the end of the year where we're all reflecting on, you know, where are we going to be, you know, what are we doing the you know, this coming year? So good timing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stan. I'd love to being here today. Great. Thanks, John. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.